Welcome back to the Uneasy Conversations in Jesus Name podcast. My name is Pastor Dom, and I hope that you are well and you are ready for this uneasy conversation we're going to have. Um, But I'm actually not going to have the conversation with you. Uh, This conversation is going to be led by my lead pastor, uh, Pastor Ryan. Uh, And it's uh, the first half of his sermon that he gave uh, this weekend. Um, And it kind of was what I wanted to talk about, uh, not necessarily in this episode, but uh, in an episode that's coming up. Uh, So this is going to kind of kickstart that series a little bit. Um, And he just kind of, I had no idea what he was going to be preaching on this week because we didn't get the chance to talk about it. But um, man, when he started uh, the part that, that I that I'm using, I was just like, yes, like this is, this is definitely an uneasy conversation for a lot of people. Um, because you, you just see things that, that Christians say, or people who claim to be Christians, um, that you're just like this, this isn't right. Uh, or that's not right. That's not, that's not a good kind of, that's not a good (laughs) interpretation of who Jesus is. So um, it's out of it's out of Mark. We're in Mark this summer, um, and it's where and it's the pivot point of the gospel where Jesus asked the disciples who they say he is um, or who they think he is um, and who others say he is. But he wants to know who you say that he is. Um, and more importantly, there are things that Jesus isn't uh, that we kind of in today's world. Uh, today's Christianity, today's Americanized Christianity, and today's uh, one leg in, one leg out Christianity that we say um, that you might not you might not think is bad, you might not think is wrong, you might not even realize that um, you're even doing this uh, willingly, uh, but but it, it 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 is wrong. Some of the things that that you say uh, that we say uh, about Jesus that we don't understand or we don't realize. Um, but then there are things that are intentionally changed, uh, whether that be by, by outside culture, whether that be by modern church culture, um, where we kind of strip away the Lordship and authoritative power that is in Jesus's name, um, or who Jesus is, you know, we kind of say things of who Jesus is descriptively, or we, uh, bumper sticker who Jesus is. Um, and so, I'm not doing any talking other than this intro. I I haven't prepared scripture uh, like I usually do because he's going to lead the whole thing. It's 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 the sermon. I cut out the ha- the the second half end and then the kind of beginning part uh, where he was doing. He did like a um, <clears throat> a live kind of demonstration of something and uh, just kind of cut it down to the part that I wanted to use because it was an idea that I had had. Um, and I'm going to kind of start a little series going forward with it. Uh, it's, it might only be like three episodes, this one, the next one, and then another one. Um, but I just felt like it was perfect. Um, it was not what I was going to do this week, but it, it came out, uh, on Sunday he, he preached it. And I was like, yes, 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 yes. Um, because people say, you know, and, 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 and scripture says it, you know, people profess, proclaim that Jesus is Lord or, or that they 
are the Christians, but, but they don't act uh, like Jesus is the Lord of their life. They don't act like Jesus has full authority, full lordship of their life. They, they, they act like he's just there along for the ride, <laughs> so to speak. Um, and I feel like I'm giving away a lot, but I'm just really excited about this one because it is an uneasy conversation. You know, it, it's very uneasy because some people are like, well, that's no big deal, but it's like, it, it, it is a very big deal who you say Jesus is. Um, and so this episode is Jesus is not your fill in the blank. Um, and so this is the first one. Uh, the next one, uh, I'm going to have another guest. Uh, well, this technically isn't a guest, but the next one will I'll have actually have a guest here. Um, and we'll be going over some something else, kind of modern church, uh, kind of lingo or things that not really in the church, but it just the next one is going to be kind of <laughs> it'll be funny. It'll be really fun to do. I'm really looking forward to that one as well. Um, but this one is really big. It's been really. This has been another one that's been really close to my heart that I've been kind of unsure how to vocalize it in a way that's not uh, kind of like a shell shock I think that's the term <laughs> like just a big shock because man I think I think in America we have it so like easy uh to get our eyes off of who Jesus really is um what people have endured for the name of Jesus um historically um even today uh in other countries he mentions that um, in the sermon, that we have it so easy um, that we think of Jesus as just something that he's not, um, and how we've kind of interpreted that interpreted that um, into our society, into kind of forming Jesus into this box that matches what we think he is. And and my wife is actually reading a book. Um, the, the title of the book is an uneasy conversation within itself. I think that one will sting a couple people. Um, but man, it, when she showed it to me, it, I was like, man, this is so, it's so true, but it is pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty uneasy. Um, but, but I think like I've said, like I've been saying, we need to get uneasy. We need to get uncomfortable. We need to get through those weird hard conversations but we're seven minutes in i'm gonna start the sermon here uh he's gonna take it through and i just really hope y'all enjoy it and i hope that it just blesses you and changes your perspective on who jesus is and what he can do when to your life in your life when you realize acknowledge who he is. Here's it, here it is. Mark chapter 8 is the pivot point. So if you have your copy of God's word, we're going to be in Mark 8, starting in verse 27. Mark 8, 27. If you're willing and able, let's stand together. If you have your copy, we're going to read. If not, you can read along with us right here on the screen. The pivot point. Mark chapter 8, 27, 28, and 29, just to get us going. Mark 8, 27 says, Jesus went out with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. 
And on the road, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. God, we thank you for this truth right here. It's small, but it's powerful. And Lord, we lay these words at your feet, that your spirit will penetrate our hearts. God, more than just answering the question of our eternity, but answering the question of our reality and our position in you while we face the pressures of life. So God, I pray over the next few minutes that you would do such a work. God, I'm asking you, Lord, to allow these people to open their hearts to the pivots that you are calling them to make. God, I thank you for the pivot points. I thank you for your control over our lives and in our lives and that you hold them in the palm of your hands. You're so faithful. And all God's people said, amen. You guys can have a seat. The pivot point. So let's think about the, let's think about the theme. It's on your notes. We've already said it. Jesus is the authoritative, miracle-working Son of God and Savior of the world. So remember, Mark's writing for a purpose. So in verse 1 through 7, what we're seeing so far in this summer series is that 1 through 7 have been building toward this, that Jesus is the authoritative, miracle-working Son of God. All the things that we've seen in 1 through 7 are making that point of his authority. But earlier I said that the whole theme hinges on the word and. And Savior of the world. So verse 29 of chapter 8 is the and of Mark's gospel. I think that's significant. Because we're halfway through our series. Chapter 8 is halfway through the gospel of Mark. So everything really this summer hinges on this verse, 829. Look at it, it says this, 829, Jesus asked, but you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? See, we just read that he's on the way to Caesarea Philippi, the villages, it's an area. And on that road, Jesus changes the disciples' focus of him being the powerful Messiah to the suffering servant. It's the, it's the twist. All, all 660 verses of Mark redirect right here. It's the pivot right here in verse 29. And from here on out, Jesus is locked in to the cross. The focus is now turned toward Jerusalem. Everything you read from here on out is laying the foundation as he's working his way back to the cross. Outside of Jerusalem, he's there. He's moving to Jerusalem to which he was sent to die. And so this is called the gospel pivot. That's on your notes right there. This is called the gospel pivot. So if you ever hear a conversation about the gospel pivot, you're like, oh, I know exactly what that is. That's Mark 8, 29. That's, that, that, that's where the entire book Changes direction without losing possession and advantage. And so what I want us to know as a church family is any honest and reading scripture will reveal the beauty 
of this pivot point because it answers the most important question for all of us. What does the suffering servant expect from me? So to run well this summer by faith, we're going to have to pivot in some places. The first thing is this. You may have to pivot in what you believe. Yeah, you may have to pivot in what you believe. Let's look at verse 27 through 30 again. Think about that first point. Pivot what you believe. Verse 27 says, Jesus went out with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the road, he asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? Who do, who do other people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, others Elijah, still, still others, one of the prophets. Verse 29, he says this, but, but you, who, who do you say that I am? This is an interesting location, Caesarea Philippi. See, what Jesus does is he takes those 12 disciples from the region around Galilee, because that's where they've been. You know, that was kind of their home base. We've talked about that. Sea of Tiberias, Galilee, you know, kind of northern Israel. And he takes them to another location. He takes them further north. He's getting them away from distractions so that, so that they can have a deeper devotion. And I, that'll preach right there just in itself. Amen. That's what he's doing. God will take you away from the crowds to change your focus. That, that's the pivot sometimes. God will take you away from the crowd to change your focus. And see, Caesarea Philippi, it was the most unlikely location for the Bible's first human proclamation of Jesus as the Messiah. This is the first human proclamation in Mark right here. It's called the gospel what? Pivot. It's called the gospel what? Pivot. You with me, church? It's the first proclamation, human proclamation, as Jesus as the Messiah. And it happens in Caesarea Philippi. This was a city that was the poster child for religious confusion. And God is in the details, isn't he? Y'all see this? And so it was full of idolatry. It was full of hostility toward monotheism. It was the perfect spot for Jesus to make his point. So he takes them away from the crowd to a place of confusion in order to ask them the question that every one of us have to answer. And so Jesus takes them to a city, and this is key once you get it. He takes them to the city where belief in God was anything you wanted it to be to prove what kind of Messiah he had come to be. He defines who he is. In a city where anything goes. He defines that only I go. In a place where people are saying. You can go wherever you want. God is in the details. And that's important for you to realize. Caesarea Philippi. Because it's really no different than America in 2021. Isn't it? I mean you don't, you know, it doesn't take long. To, to get distracted. By the talking heads. Of, of talk radio, of syndicated TV, you know, Fox News, CNN, Facebook, Twintergram, you know, all those things. It doesn't get, it doesn't get, uh, it, it's easy to find ourselves following just a shell of who Christ actually is because there's all of the crowds talking about who they think he is. 
And so some of us just need to go to Caesarea Philippi. Some of us need to get into the text. Dr. David Platt points out that we American Christians have a way of taking the Jesus of the Bible and twisting him into a version of Jesus that we're more comfortable with. Like this nice, middle-class American Jesus. A Jesus who doesn't mind materialism and would never call us to give away everything we have. A Jesus who is fine with average devotion that does not infringe on our comforts. Can I get a witness? A Jesus who brings comfort and prosperity to us as we live out our Christian spin on the American dream. Man, we're missing it. So Jesus poses this straightforward question right here at the gospel what? Pivot. He poses this question to these 12 who have pondered since he calmed the sea in chapter 4. Who then is this? They ask themselves that when he calmed the sea. Who is this in the boat with us? And in the gospel pivot, he answers that question. And the disciples, they throw out a lot of popular opinions at the time. He said, who do people say that I am? They're like, well, some people say you're John the Baptist reincarnate. Some people say you're Elijah. Some people say that maybe you're one of, other, one of the other prophets. And all of these are great examples. All of these are really good moral teachers. They were mighty men used of God. But that's not the point. The, the point is, Jesus is more than just a good dude. He's more than just an amazing teacher. Jesus is God. And he wanted to know where they stood. And so he says, But you, who do you say I am? Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Who do you, you, personally say that I am. See, Jesus, Jesus don't give three flips of a wooden nickel what the crowds say he is. He wants to know who do you think he is. And when I stand before him on judgment day, my answer to that question of how it changes the way I live is all that will matter. That's it. And make no mistake, Jesus is not just your homeboy. Man, that shirt burns me up. Jesus is my homie. You can't even spell homie. <laughs> Jesus is my co-pilot. Me and Jesus are B hashtag BFFs. Have we lost the wonder and the majesty of who came to earth to die for humanity? He's the only son of the living God, the maker of heaven and earth, the lion and the lamb, the bright and morning star. His mercy is everlasting. His judgment is perfectly applied. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy. And the Bible says his burden is light. That's who I stand before. And not too long from now, in the end, and I think it's closer now than it was yesterday, the Apostle John says this, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose writers, it was called faithful and true. With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire. Is this a homie? 
And on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped with blood and his name is the word of God. Is this a hashtag BFF? The armies of heaven were following him riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. And coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of the Almighty God. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Who is Jesus to you? Who, who do you say he is? And see, what Peter did is Peter stated with greater confidence than ever before against the backdrop of a culture that was widespread in confusion and increasing hostility from his nation's leaders. Peter made a declaration for himself. Welcome to 2020 America. A, a place that as a whole wants to entertain the, 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 the fun, cool guy Jesus, but don't want to submit to the lordship of Jesus. Let's just add him to our lives. No, if you just want to add him to your life, you are lost. You have to let him take over your life. Riley said it. She said, I was just interested in a change of location, but I had no interest in lordship and a change of my heart. Where where'd she get off to? There she is. I was looking for that bright shirt. Write this down. Popular and trendy views of Jesus must always surrender to the clear and consistent witness of the scriptures. This is it right here. This is the written eyewitness account to me and you. Fold to it or be judged by it. Jesus is not our homeboy. So the question to ask yourself this morning is can you declare with confidence your allegiance to Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the one and only Savior of the world? And if you can't, this is a pivot point for you. This is the moment this morning for you to pivot away from lostness. Hold on to the possession of salvation and pivot toward the cross. There's another thing too. So yeah, you've got to pivot on some things. The gospel, what? Pivot. So one of you may have to pivot what you believe, you might have to also pivot what you expect. You may have to pivot what you expect. Being a Jesus follower is no walk in the park. Sometimes it seems like it because of the blessings we have here in the United States of America, the greatest country on the planet, because of God's grace and favor. May we never forget that most of the world is living their Christian life like that. In a struggle. A narrow struggle. So for us, we have to realize what we're going to expect. Look at verse 31. So after Peter makes this proclamation of what he believes. Remember, Mark's trying to define here the gospel pivot. What a true follower really is. In verse 31, he, he said, Then he began to teach them. That it was necessary. It says he began to teach them. This was an ongoing process. 
Then he began to teach them that it was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, be killed and rise after three days. And he spoke openly about this, which meant you know, it wasn't in parables. It was very clear. It's like he said, I hate to break it to you, but don't you hate to hear that? Can we talk? I don't want to be rude, but you're like, you're about to be rude. I don't want to hurt. I don't want this to come off the wrong way. I'm like, yeah, it's about to come off the wrong way. You know that he's very open right here. But turning around and looking. And in verse 32, he spoke openly about this and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and looking at his disciples. He rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not thinking about God's concerns but human concerns. See, what you have to remember is that the disciples expected this earthly ruler that was like kicking down doors, was about to get serious, was about to upend the authority. They, 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 they expected this earthly ruler. They never expected the Messiah to arrive on the scene with superiority they never expected him to assemble this ragtag group of believers, fishermen, okay, and a couple of, you know, uh, outcast tax collectors and, and a few others. He never expected the king to do all this and then die. Like, wait, what? I did not expect that. You ever found yourself saying those words? What in the world? I did. This is not what I expected. Maybe you've sat in a place. As a believer, and you thought, I'm a believer. This is not the way this should be going. This was not their plan, but this was God's will. And that's what I don't want you to miss. See, it would be very hard to accept for these believers. Very hard for them to accept this, but it was very clear. And see, being a Christian means you trust in the authority of Christ to work all things out for his glory not necessarily for what makes us feel good. It's for His glory that, that, we, that we, we face things that are unexpected. And God's way of getting His will done would be different than what the world expected. It was a completely different pivot right there. See, the people expected, what do they expect? Power. Man, they expected war, didn't they? They expected someone to come in and swing a sword. I think that's why Peter grabs a sword in the Garden of Gethsemane and starts swinging it. He's like, if this is not what you're going to do, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to take my sword and try to build this kingdom myself. Building a kingdom of your own so we can put our feet up. A lot of us kind of go through life like that with our Christianity. This is not what they expected. They expected this, this victor. But Jesus would suffer and he'd be rejected and he'd be killed, and he would rise three days later for victory. Hey, look at it like this. If he did come as the expected ruler to overthrow the Romans in first century, it would be impossible for us to have victory through baptism today because it would have been a momentary gratification and no permanent gain. We can benefit from the cross because of the way he got the victory. 
So that there's a whole lot in there. Like that's why I said it's something I've wanted to talk about for a while. But when he when he preached on it, uh, it just kind of was like yes, like just the whole Jesus is not your homie. Jesus is not your BFF. Jesus is not your co-pilot. Definitely not your co-pilot. He needs to be the pilot. Um, and then how we've kind of Americanized Jesus as this kind of like, like he said, a middle-class American, you know, wants you to have the best life now and, and prosperity stuff. Like, no, it has no place because it doesn't match up to who Jesus is. Like you can't say that you're, you're so blessed. And I had this conversation with, uh, with somebody a couple weeks ago before I had started the podcast and I was vocalizing the idea of the podcast and we were just talking about things. And, and she said, she can't stand when people say how blessed they are. And they just post pictures of their lavish lives. Uh, because like, like he's like pastor Ryan said, there are people we get so conf- we get not confused, but we just forget that there are people who are living Christian lives in the struggle, yet we're so blessed to kind of rub it in the faces of those who who aren't, because now those people are kind of like, well, what am I doing wrong? You know, and it's not a problem. It's not an issue to have a to to because everything that you have is yours because of Jesus. Um, so yes, you are blessed. Um, but I think we, we get kind of, uh, tunnel visioned when, when we get these kind of, when we get these things or when we talk about the things that we have, um, to the point where we kind of start going down the road of prosperity, uh, and prosperity, preaching, prosperity, gospel. And that's just not, that's not the gospel. You know, the gospel is about a man, not not even just a man. It's about God coming as a man, laying down his life, not even just literally, but laying down his life in many ways um, and in the ways that he taught, in the way that he led, in the way that he came to give us freedom from eternal suffering, eternal life apart from him. That's what the gospel is about. The gospel is not about if you follow me, you'll get this. If you follow me, Jesus was not saying that Jesus's first words when he started his ministry was to repent for the kingdom of what is it? The kingdom of God is among us is on the way, like repent because it's coming. You know, it wasn't just I'm here to give you your best life now because the life that we have now is not of concern to Jesus if it's not for Jesus. You know, if he doesn't care if you have 10 cars, he doesn't care if you have a beach house, a lake house and a house. No, he cares if you have given your life to him and surrendered your life to his lordship. And that is what he cares about. He doesn't care that you have four cars, you got two bikes and you got a boat and a, and like I said, he doesn't care about that stuff. The material stuff, the prosperity, the blessings, quote unquote, that we say we have, 
It's not about that. It's about where your heart is. It's about, is he the Lord in your life? And yes, if you get all this stuff, great. Like, awesome. You know, like I have tons of, I have what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven guitars and tons of pedals. I have a whole studio in my, in my house right now. But he doesn't care about that because if I'm not saved, I'm not living in his will, then it's, you know, my life is, 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 is nothing when I'm apart from who he is. And that's the truthful offensiveness of the gospel because the gospel, like I said, is true. And the truthful side of the gospel is offensive to those who are not in his will. Um, and I think that when people hear things like that, they just kind of, they, they, they are confused, um, because that's just how it is. You know, when, when somebody tells you you're wrong, you don't like being told you're wrong. Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't think anybody likes being told they're wrong. Um, but if I truly believe if not just me, if we truly believe that Jesus is Lord, that the gospel, that the Bible is true, then we have to be prepared to proclaim who Jesus is. Not this watered down, uh, Jesus is my best friend. Um, I talk to Jesus all the time. He's my homie. He's my co-pilot. Um, <clears throat> just these outlandish kind of things or like, Jesus wants me to have this, or Jesus wants you to have this, or Jesus is, you know, like, we, we, we lose sight, um, and we also teach the next generation of, about Jesus, uh, uh, about what Jesus is not, and then we kind of further the road of misunderstanding, um, and that puts us further into where we're at now. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, to finishing this out, uh, because I think it's very important for us to kind of rid ourselves of who we think Jesus is or who Christian music tells us that Jesus is, or, uh, prosperity preachers tell us what Jesus wants for us, uh, because it fools a lot of people because it feels good and it's just because it feels good you know there's a there's a song there's a saying it feels good then it must be and that's way off from the truth so I just look forward to having um, a bit of a funny conversation next week uh an uneasy conversation in in the coming weeks we're we're gonna dive a little bit deeper into this uh particular topic i, I really enjoyed the sermon uh and i'll use the second half of it in another podcast episode but right now i wanted to kind of set the floor for for that and i think that he kind of said it better than i probably would have or could have <laughs> so Really looking forward to to this, and I'm just going to pray out and see y'all next week. Lord, we 
just acknowledge you for who you are. Like I just said, Lord, um, that that is very important because as Pastor Ryan said, as the Bible says, we know you're coming back as Lord. We know that what uh, the what the Jews thought of you when you were coming the first time was not what they expected, Lord. But what we expect is what Scripture says, and Scripture says that you are coming back as the one who is going to tear down, who is going to not destroy, Lord, but take back, actually take back and restore and renew everything. Lord, so I just pray that we we t- change our minds on who you are um, because we get back can get back into understanding the reverence and and the fear the servitude um, that we need to have in our hearts for for you and I know that there are people who don't understand it or don't think that it's a, a big deal Lord but I think it's a it's a bigger deal than we think because when we start to lose sight on things or we start to loosen our grip on things then the enemy can sneak in and and take and manipulate and change what what we believe to be true lord so i pray that we just hold fast to your word your name who you are and that you're lord and we proclaim it believe it and live by it lord so i thank you for the message i thank you for this podcast i thank you for those listening and i pray that they all have a fantastic rest of their week or wherever they're at um, in this point in time listening, if it's today or if it's um, went later on after this has come out, Lord, I just pray that where they're at, Lord, that they are listening, taking in, and, and learning. Lord, so we praise you, we love you, and we thank you uh, for who you are and what you're doing. And in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.